The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello, Malden, and welcome to another edition of 02148, live from Studio B. And tonight I have a very special guest, Erin Calvo-Bacci. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and hello, Malden. And Erin, as you know, will be facing Senator Jason Lewis November 6th, just in uh, 13 days, as she represents the Republican Party against Senator Jason Lewis, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited about this race. It's been very energizing, and I'm so happy to be back in Malden. So as you know, I was born in Malden. My father was a firefighter in Everett, so I actually started off my schooling just down the road at Chevres. I had lived in Oak Grove and then over on Bellrock Street before we had moved to Reading. So I love coming back to to Malden. And it's it's changed in such a positive way, which is really great. I love to see the collaboration between the, the private and the public sector happening here. And thank goodness, finally changing this street. Yeah. <laughs> for, for a lot of people, that the, the old city hall was an eyesore and there was a lot of problems with leaks. Yes, I, I had heard that. and But even just anything that cuts off your, your, your flow of traffic just isn't beneficial for the businesses. It isn't beneficial for really moving and, and getting exposure and in helping the flow of traffic really for your development. So it's good to see the positive changes happening here. It is. Okay, so I want to start off with for the people who are watching tonight, and I hope there's many I know, every time I have a show, the, there's something going on, a playoff <laughs> or a game. It's, it's, it's the World Series? What's that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the curse. But for people watching at home, that aren't too familiar with you or don't know you and they have a chance tonight to see you and hear you speak. Again, how did you get involved in politics? Have you ever run for anything before? And what 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 came, what made your decision to want to run? Well, thank you for asking. I am an elected town meeting member in Reading, and I have served by appointment on the Zoning Advisory Committee, also in Reading, as well as the historical, uh, the working group for the historical demo delay bylaw. And I have been advocating for business as a member of the Retail Association of Massachusetts. I serve on their legislative committee. I also serve on the Small Business Steering Committee with the National Retail Federation. But let me give credit where credit is due. It was my husband, Carlo, who said, Enough with helping everyone else out. Enough with volunteering. This is it. This is your shot. You should really run. So I came into this rather late. Uh, it was in April, so we only had a matter of, I think it was like two weeks in total to get my nomination papers, which we did. It was a family effort, and it's just been nonstop since then. Now, for, for a race like this, from this magnitude, how many, I, I can't remember offhand, how many signatures is that that you needed to collect? It's, uh, I believe it's 300 or 350. I know I just had 600 in my head to go okay. above yeah. and beyond what the signatures were. It's not a lot. The problem is a lot of times people don't realize if they're, how they're registered. So yeah. in to get on to the nomination papers, people must be either an independent, unenrolled, or registered Republican. So I certainly allowed people who were Democrats to sign it, even though the, the, those names were kicked out. But it was nice just to have so many people that were excited to get me on the ballot. 
and you had no no challenger in the in the primary like you know Senator Lewis did and then I I don't know the the numbers of the other communities but I know in Malden it was really close with him and um, was Samantha, Jan- Samantha Hammer okay yes no it was close in Malden and that's as you see what's going on nationally that you know it takes effect because Malden is a big community and there's a lot of Democrats and which way they swing on that spectrum it's you know, it's for people to decide, but it was. I was surprised it was really close in Malden between those two. But I I wasn't surprised because I saw her out there and I, yeah. I saw her working in in really true grass grassroots yeah. effort, and I really applaud her. I'm I'm I am honest in saying I'm really happy I'm not running against her because. I really, I really respect her, and I, I know that she has a political future ahead of her. I'm really happy to be able to be going against the incumbent because, quite frankly, he has a record, and that's what we, that's what we're going after is yeah. what he hasn't done for the community. Now, has she reached out to you? Or have you reached out to her after the the? So I had, so she and I had met before the primary, okay. and just to get to know each other, say hello, yeah. and and be just to be respectful. And then before the primary, I had sent her a letter just saying, congratulations, I wish you all the best. Thank you for leaning in. And truth be told, I did also reach out after the election to her as well as my opponent. I did send my opponent a congratulations note saying, I look forward to seeing you on the campaign. Okay. Well, like I said, if people tuned in two weeks ago, Senator Lewis was on the show. So everyone, you know, everyone's been given an hour and after tonight with 13 days left i hope people go out and vote you know they always tell you no matter which you're gonna go it's the main important thing is vote and i'll be saying that <laughs> throughout tonight and Aaron will remind everybody also as well uh before i get into the topics anything you want to add to any early voting has started oh that's right get yes, out yes, yes. so you can you can start voting now and I, I strongly recommend that especially for my team I'm I'm saying this to all of you get out and vote early so that way you can help at the polls now this last stretch are you focusing on aside from door knocking with the phone calls is that I'm actually I'm focusing myself on being out there meeting okay. people that's more that's most effective for me, and yeah. I do have a team that is going in and making phone calls at our victory okay. office in Stoneham. All right, and how how for people who so this is your second time running for for an elected office, right? Well, what? technically, because I ran yes, so I okay. ran for school committee, but this is uh, in regards to a state race. This and is my first it's time. It's a different. It's a different platform of you know your team. You could have the same configuration but this is a this is a bigger race with more with more people oh absolutely my school committee it, it was pretty much just uh me and and you know a few people you yeah. didn't have to do what yeah. we're doing now and this it's really changed even for our local elections they really have gone back to grassroots and it's nice because you don't have to raise as much money as what people would think. Yeah. It really, I'm treating this the same way that I treat running my business. We're a chocolate manufacturing company. We did not have the, the, the major marketing dollars to spend like a major company would. So we had to take the same approach, a grassroots marketing approach. And that's what I'm doing for, for this race as well is we have a team and they're all volunteers. Yeah. Every one of them actually has a job. So I am appreciative of, of the time that everyone is giving to me. And it is, it's a, a lot of little piecework, but we're getting a lot done. So Speaking of business, you and your husband own a business and you had brought a sample of I, I, I can't wait to because I, I love chocolate, especially I, I always travel to Europe and I'm bringing back either chocolate from Belgium or Switzerland, but I love peanut butter in the, in the chocolate. If you want to explain the history of sure. how this began. So giving credit again to my husband. My husband had come from the pizza industry. Yeah, so yeah. the chocolate <laughs> pizza really plays um, plays to him and his personality and his background. So this is our chocolate pizza. So it's a solid base of chocolate that's then covered. This one is covered with candy-coated 
chocolate bits. Okay. And then uh, pretzels. This is one of our most popular selling pizzas. And it's a dessert pizza. It's great for corporate gifting. This is what typically, uh, it's a large seller at the, the holiday time for, for corporate gifting, taking it to holiday parties. And this is really exciting for me because we are a family business. So these are our latest uh, our latest CB Stuffer peanut butter cups. Yeah. So we are known for making the largest peanut butter cup in the industry. And the salted pretzel peanut butter cup in dark and milk chocolate was recently launched this summer. And this was a true family collaboration. So we have three daughters. And they have grown up in the business because I had actually took over the chocolate truffle in 2003. So the oldest was three. The middle one was just one. The youngest wasn't born yet. The youngest was born just after we launched the manufacturing division okay. in 2007. So this past summer, we had been playing around. Carlo really wanted a pretzel peanut butter cup. And he said, come on, it's pretzels, peanut butter, it, it, it's, it's a win. But we wanted to make sure that we had the right formula, make sure that the pretzel will still stay crunchy. Yeah. But then it was the whole design work. What do you want this to, to look like? And so we sat around the table with the girls and having, having the little animated figures, the, the pretzel person, the salt person, they play to it. It's, it's a novelty. But the girls, we were talking about diving into Salty Sweet. So the girls had actually mapped out what it would look like. And we were able to take that, bring that to a graphic designer, and then put that onto T-shirts, postcards. We did a whole new backdrop for our booth. And our two oldest came and worked with us in New York. So it was really, it was great oh, wow. for them. Yeah, so it really, it helps. We're very fortunate in having our girls as part of our business because they're growing up in it. They have a better understanding. And it's actually, and then with the politics, I had volunteered for Richard Tissay's first congressional race. I yeah. had then worked for him on his second congressional race. While being a mom, I had to bring my daughters with me. So... The girls also have that aspect under their belt and an understanding of politics. So our oldest is in college now studying food science and has now told us that she's actually going into more of the policy side to have a real understanding of how is it that we pass these laws? How is it that when we make decisions, when we're dealing with the, the FDA and the, the USDA? So it's yeah. really so it's exciting to see that everything that we're doing now how it how it helps them for their future in making decisions. So. Well, that's great. And if, for the audience, how do they get in touch for the for the business side? How do they get in touch with you? If they, do do you mail them, or do they have to come in a certain store or the so, factory? CB Stuffer is sold online at yeah. cbstuffer.com. And if anyone wants to order some online, you can place your order and enter hashtag Get Stuffed and receive 20% off. And you can also enter in your zip code on our website to see what stores in the area carry these products or where you can find them. Most most of the stores in the area that sell our products, it would be the peanut butter cup that you will find. So in this area, we sell into the paper stores, we sell into, so in Wakefields, we sell into Greenwood Wine and Spirits, the paper stores, some Whole Foods stores, TGX companies, and then in Boston, uh, and, and the person is actually a Malden resident, the owner of Oshakalat. He's one of our oldest customers. He sells a lot of our different products in his store right on High Street. So there, you can find our products elsewhere, but you can also find them online. That's great, and this is the perfect segue. That's one of the topics, an important topic in the selection and throughout the state is the minimum wage discussion. Mm-hmm. And your thoughts on that? So I absolutely believe in paying people and making sure that we can help encourage people and, and help them develop their skills. That's why I was not in support of the minimum wage going to $15 without a training wage and a student wage. Now think about it. How old were you when you had your first job? Uh, probably... 15, 14, 15. Okay. Do you remember what the minimum wage was about then? No. <laughs> so when I first started working many moons ago, and I've been in retail most of my life. 
So when I first started working at the local farm stand, the minimum wage was about $3 or $3.10. So I got my experience. Then I went on to a department store, Leechmere. Well, Leechmere was paying people $6 an hour, so almost $3 more than minimum wage. I got my experience there, worked with them for a little bit. Then I actually went on to be a nurse's aide. So it was a very, it was a different structure. I was paid a lot. I was paid more, but I was also given a differential. So it wasn't comparing apples to apples. But to go back to retail, when I was in college, so I worked full time in retail and paid for my college. So then I went on and I was making $10 an hour. Okay. So because the minimum wage was so low, people could afford because if you think about it at the time it was I was in clothing what people with the average price for a pair of pants you had the margins so so companies could certainly afford to do it well what's happened is as we continue to increase minimum wage in Massachusetts we're paying the highest energy costs we're paying the highest payroll taxes so our unemployment insurance our health insurance costs. Now we just got the EMAC tax. So what's happening is businesses aren't getting a break. So when we're being forced with all of these mandates without having any other type of uh, breaks for the companies, what happens? Well, you do what I did. I had grown my, my business to three retail stores, scaled back to one, and then sold off the retail store, the Chocolate Truffle, in 2015, rebranded, and went to online. Why? Because that cut my costs. So now that meant I wasn't paying landlords. I wasn't paying all the other overhead. So that's a loss in revenue for the communities that I was in, as well as I didn't need all the employees that I had. Some employees did come over with me, and I'm happy to say that Three of the employees that I had had at the retail store, the last retail store I had, they are still working there. But it just got to the point that it was these costs are really prohibitive for businesses to grow. And especially now when you're looking at communities that are being saddled with split tax, such as Reading, so one of the, the communities in my district and happens to be my hometown, they're slowly going towards this split tax, whereas other communities like Wakefield has had a split tax for years. So anyone that may look to go into Wakefield, they already know that going into it. Or it could be prohibitive. They may say, you know what, I don't want to go there. But at least they know this up front. But for any business that's been in existence in Reading, so now now you're facing a split tax, which means they're, they're shifting the burden onto the commercial. Well, what are the benefits that the businesses are getting versus the residential? Businesses have to pay for a dumpster. It's not like they just get trash removal the way that a residential would. They're not, so as a business, you're not getting the benefit of schools. So it's, and not to say that the businesses don't want to help out because typically when people are looking to fundraise, who do they go to? I, as a business, what my husband and I had worked on is we have a fundraising component of our company. So we've worked with schools in this area so Medford, Stoneham, Reading, where we would sell items like our chocolate pizza and our peanut butter cups and then give 50% back to the schools. We can do that because we're the manufacturer, and it's something that I do want to help schools with. I just don't want to see businesses going away, which is what's starting to happen, because businesses just can't afford, especially when you're competing with the larger stores. And how many people are shopping online now? That's what we're yeah. competing with. So, so minimum wage is not, it's not favorable to companies when it's done at such a large increase because the other thing is when people say, well, this way you're raising up people, all the other costs go up because someone has to pay for it. So that means when you go to the grocery store now, you are going to be paying more for those groceries. So we're hurting the middle class, and we're not helping them. And that that's really something that I want to see see us help people in a different sort of way. It was, to my understanding, Senator Lewis told me on the show that it was a gradual 
increase over five years that he said he did research in people in the smaller companies that work for the smaller companies that will get this minimum wage will actually invest it back into the place where they work in the community. Well, that's really interesting that he said that because I was at the um, small business day up on Beacon Hill and there was so much animosity towards them and people such as daycare centers who stood up and said, you're causing an increase for working families yeah. because even though it may seem gradual, it's not gradual on top of all the other costs that are, have increased. So, for instance, for a daycare, she has to pay her staff more, so that means she has to charge more. So, again, that's put on the backs of the working class. And the research wasn't done with his constituents because his constituents told him, this is how you're going to hurt me. And, and that's something that, as a parent, I listen to my children, and if they... I'm going to do what's best for them. But if they come to me and say, you know what, why don't we negotiate this? So we'll, we'll give an example like a curfew. Yeah. Okay, I want my daughter's home at a certain time. And they say, well, come on, you know, if we could just be out a little bit more, this is where we are. We're going to negotiate it. If they can make a, a, a valid argument over where they are and I know they're safe, we're going to compromise. There's no compromise with the business. The business community spoke to them, and they shut us down. So do we really want a leader that doesn't listen to us? And I want to be that leader that's going to be listening to people. I do listen to people, and that's why we need a change. And it's good. I, I, I love how we keep segueing into all the stuff. You brought up education. As you know, I was on the school committee in Malden for four years, and I sat on various committees, one being the chair of public safety, which I was proud of because of my police background in the service and on the budget committee. One thing we struggle at the time when budget came is we feared and we tried our best not to cut into the classroom. We had an example, like I told Senator Lewis two weeks ago, where we had to cut $2 million from the budget and we cut 1.6 and we were left with 400000 and we were told we needed to cut again. So our option was we cut $400,000 worth of teacher salaries or busing. And we made the promise to the teachers about not hitting the classroom. We cut busing. Not The busing cut was it affected out of 6,000 students in Malden, only 110. We cut, obviously, we by law, we have to keep busing anyway. for the... For the um, Within so many miles. Well, no, that's oh. the one we actually we, the the homeless children, and 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 um, special ed children. The was the within the two mile radius we cut, but uh, like I said, it only affected 110 students out of 6,000. So, if you win the election, how do you ensure not only Malden but the the surrounding communities how you'd be a pro advocate of education? I am. So I'm a staunch believer in public education, and I believe that education must be fully funded. That is the law, that every child has a right to free public education. So first off, stop with the unfunded mandates. If there's going to be a mandate, there needs to be money for it. And stop with saying we never have enough money because my opponent voted himself a 40% pay raise. $32,000. That may not be all that much, but isn't that about, what, almost a teacher's salary? Yes, yeah. So this is where I have made sacrifices within my own company. My husband and I had owned a house in Wakefield, and when the market crashed, coupled with the rising cost of health care, our health insurance went through the roof. It was more than our mortgage payment. And the building that housed one of our retail stores was named Historic, which is why I got onto that the Historic Working Group, the Historic Commission Working Group. We sold our house and moved a family of five into a two-bedroom apartment above the retail store. We made a difficult decision because we could see the benefit. It meant we were paying our employees. It meant we were paying our vendors. We could have easily filed bankruptcy. 
we could have said the heck with everyone else. We're taking care of ourselves. But I do not believe in self-service. I believe in service. And that is not what's happening right now up in Beacon Hill. For those legislators to vote themselves a pay raise means that they really care more about themselves than these communities. And that's not acceptable. There's, there are a large number of homeless students. I don't know the exact figure in Malden, but where our factory is on the Swampscott Lynn line, excuse me, I know there are about 300 homeless high school students in Lynn. So looking at the size of Lynn and Malden, I can, I can kind of guess where we are. They need support. And it's working families here in Malden. When they look, when we're looking at the entire district, they look at Reading and say, well, you can all kind of pick it up yourself. And that's what they do. They pass an override. Well, then that hurts elderly people. And even though we have the circuit breakers, well, maybe not everyone is going to be able to qualify for that. And when our costs continue to go up, such as our fees for sports, then that means there's a class of students that may not be able to participate. And we all know keeping kids active keeps kids healthy. We have an opioid crisis. Yeah. So we need to be paying our teachers more. And that's, a, that's contractual. So I find it interesting that the unions support my opponent, yet the teachers aren't paid to the level that they should be paid to attract and retain good teachers. The classes are they're, they're filled and they're overburdened with unfunded mandates. The town of Reading's teachers are, are operating without a, without a contract and we've recently lost a veteran teacher out of our, one of our elementary schools. That's concerning to me. That's, that's, that's not the way that we take care of the people that are educating our students. So that, that really is a priority, and that's important to me. Speaking about opioids, uh, Senator Lewis did say that he didn't give a time frame, but he said that Massachusetts, that different communities are vying for a rehabilitation uh, building within, you know, in their community. And if Malden gets the okay, it's up to the city council. I don't know if any other community in your district has said anything to you about that, but that's obviously not just in Malden, everywhere. No, it's everywhere. There's an op- opioid crisis. Maybe some communities in the district have it more than others. We don't know, but that's an idea that was brought up at the old Malden Hospital site, which there's a war over this with what's going to go on up up the, you know up in that site a lot of people want there's two sides one side's want apartments mm-hmm. and one side wants less apartments as possible and more conservation land so i don't know if there's a struggle within the other districts that you know about that you could do something if elected we need to so i'm proud <laughs> of being on the Zoning Advisory Committee. And something that I've seen is we are overburdening our communities with housing. And when the hot topic about affordable housing comes up, I'd really love for people to understand that a lot of our housing isn't affordable, even within the the areas where it's supposed to be. So I met with a mother who has a son and a daughter, so she qualifies for a two-bedroom in the town of Reading. $1,400 a month she has to pay. So what does that mean she has to do for work? And that's that, to me, that's not affordable. And we need to change how we're looking at what is really considered affordable. What are we really doing? So I really want to put the halt on overcrowding our communities with housing so that way we can fix the schools because that's what has to be fixed first. I would love to see any type of residential program where we can really be battling the opioid crisis because you need to be in a program for 90 days at a minimum to be able to get yourself on the right path. And we can, in the city of Malden, using Malden Hospital, that's a perfect example because it's already set up for that. So in the town of Reading, we have Hallmark Health, 
and there is uh, within the zoning there there could be another building built and there is a grant in the town of Reading for a hospital so if someone wanted to come in we would have to go back and look at the zoning on that and how would you consider that or classify that because it isn't technically a hospital but looking at how do we make it so this could be something in a real need? And especially since, so for Malden, then you could be handling some of the surrounding communities, such as Melrose, Everett. For Reading, you could, again, the same thing, the surrounding communities, Wakefield, North Reading. And I think that's something that we really do need to look at and address. I I have classmates who have lost children, and that that that's... No parent should ever bury a child, and we really need to get to the, bo- the bottom of this. But a lot of it, it needs to go beyond. It's not just the, the facilities. It really is going back to the doctors and saying, enough with the prescriptions. My daughter had her wisdom teeth taken out, and I told them we didn't need the, the oxy that they wanted to write a prescription for. Ibuprofen, fine, because we don't really take anything in our house. So I knew that would be more than enough for her. So we need to stop doing this. We need to stop over-prescribing. And, and, I, and people say, oh, no, no, they cut back. They haven't. And that's where we need to start because kids have access to this medication. And what are they going to do? They're either going to sell it or they're going to take it. And that's the way that we need to start battling that. That's like I said. That that's a, that's a serious situation all over the place. And and also a hot topic issue is everyone keeps talking about marijuana. And I've told, I've asked Senator Lewis. I said the state needs to figure out what they need to do first because I know in Malden there was a moratorium, and I know in my ward. The majority of the people didn't want it, but I guess the city council and the there was a referendum and Malden voted for it. And I know a lot of the surrounding communities are now either overturning that or saying no. Voting for recreational or having a facility or facilities, what was facilities? Yeah, okay. so I don't know where you where you stand on that because, like I said, federally it's not it's not legal. Legal, and so I, and that 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 turns up into an issue of if stores come in. And they put their money in a safe. I guess that money's not insured because it's not federally, you know. It's not know. recognized. Yeah. I would. So that's where having relationships with our congressional leaders is important. We need it to be legal federally because we need the the reciprocity. And if you have communities that are saying we don't want it, it needs to go somewhere because, quite frankly. The people voted for it. So whether I agree or disagree or you agree or disagree, the people voted for it. And we have to respect that process. And marijuana is a concern to me when it comes to children because we don't have minor in possession laws for tobacco products. So even with a 21 minimum age for purchase across the state and it was originally it was individual communities that were making that decision which made it difficult because in our town that meant kids could just go into the next town where it was 18 and purchase without having a minor in possession law children can be on the street smoking so what's happening they're getting the jewel and then they're getting and they're buying this stuff online. And then they're they're using the the vapors for the marijuana, using the oils, dabbing, yeah. and that's becoming a real issue. And we're seeing it younger and younger and younger. And my my issue is we have policies in our schools, but we're sending a mixed message to our children. Shouldn't we be treating all adult products? the same so that our children understand that if you're not a legal adult you cannot have it so starting at the federal level is the first step 
combine that with having a minor in possession law to really keep our children safe is what I want to see. As a mom, I especially want to see that because it really does bother me that, that kids can buy these products online. It, it's easy enough to do. It's not the business owner that's selling them. It's going online where they're able to get them. Yeah. And we need to be able to keep our children safe. And in regards to the marijuana, I did work in regards to the zoning for the medical marijuana dispensaries as to where it should be zoned. And I would recommend that that's where a retail establishment should go there, too. That way we're keeping it all in one area. But it is a problem until it is federally regulated because what do you do with all the cash? Exactly. Now I want to switch gears and ask you, when you've door knocked around the, the district, what are most like topics people, have, you know, you ask them for their concerns? What are they telling you? Like a big concern of theirs. In Malden, it's it's funny. The biggest concern is your trash. Yeah. And that's <laughs> where I've encouraged people get involved because that's not a state senator issue. That really is at your local local level. Yeah. And and trying to educate people that the contract that you have in regards to your trash is a really great contract that was negotiated, you know, however long ago. And so it's that becomes why it's important to stay involved and, and, and understand what, what the accomplishment is meant to be. And the reality is the recycling, that whole, the recycling market has dropped drastically. So that's really impacting us. So this is where we really are a global economy and people need to tune into that to, to understand that this is how that impacts locally and what's happening. And each community has negotiates its own own contracts. Yeah. So it's not something that's done statewide. It that is really at the the local level. So I do recommend to people that they need to be involved and reach out to their their counselors on that. Now, when you're going door to door and meeting people and you meet someone from like the opposite party, how are they like are they treating you with respect? Are they closing the door on you and saying I don't want to talk? It's a mixed message. Uh it has been disappointing that people right away will say, well, what party are you? Yeah. Without even hearing anything about me. And uh, one person had said, when I had said, oh, I'm running on the Republican, he said, oh, no, thank you. And I said, well, don't you want to hear about me? And he said, well, as far as I'm concerned, you're in bed with the devil. And I said, well, that's disrespectful to me. So the party that's supposed to be all about... Uh, accepting everyone and hate has no home here isn't really showing living by that example yeah. and that's that's unfortunate and but I will say women it's been interesting because women are the ones that are either they'll listen or they're they're willing to engage and a really positive conversation I had with with one woman who certainly we were on opposite sides but we were able to talk, and we talked for a long time. And she said, I like this. I like that we may come from opposing sides, but we can have an open dialogue because that's the way we're going to make change. So there are, there's always going to be someone who's who wants to just slam the door, and, and it's unfortunate. And it's really unfortunate for them because they're missing out. But it's really encouraging when I'm meeting with these people that really do want to have a conversation and, yeah. and hear and and hear more about me and what what is it that I'm looking to do and understand that that I, I really do care. That's why I'm running. Now, aside from Alden and the other communities, do you know what the political makeup is in the other? You know what? For the majority in the area, it's it's independent. Yeah. So, but within that, you can see, okay, where do they typically lean? And I will say so much is a game changer now. I, I really don't rely on what's happened in the past because I really do think so much has changed. We saw it with the election. No yeah. one, no one would have predicted, no one predicted what was going to happen. So we really need it. For me, it's really, it's a matter of just treating this as if it's all new and just meeting people and talking to people, and it, it's it's been really encouraging. So, I, well, because you're you're talking now, you're physically in Malden. It's the the out of I think uh, population, as far as I know, I, I think we're at 
between well the census is obviously is going to come out and you know they're going to do it in two years and then the results will come in at two years after that but i think we have around maybe sixty three thousand, and there's probably 32,000 registered voters and 50% of those voters are Democrat and 40% are unenrolled. And then you have about 6% that are Republican. You probably, obviously you want to target everybody. Oh, absolutely. I don't, and it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun in Malden because I do have roots here. So it's been really nice to be able to, to be around and especially even be in my old neighborhoods and, and connecting with people and, and talking to people. Bell Rock, correct? Yeah. Bell so, Rock, well, yeah. I started off in Oak Grove okay. and then, and then Bell Rock. So it's, it's been really nice to be able to connect with people and meet with people and, uh, some of the people, actually, my old neighbors, are still in the neighborhood, which is really nice. It has changed in some of the areas, and it's. I'm finding, especially with the immigrant population, they are a real hard-working group of people, and my story really, really resonates with them that I'm someone who's rolled up my sleeves and is working, and it's not something that nothing's been handed to us. We've gone through difficult times, and 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 we're still living above the store in Reading. It's not as, you know, yes, we're in Reading, but it's not as if we're in one of the half-million-dollar houses or million-dollar houses in Reading, and and that's fine. We're, we're, we've made our choices, and, and, it, and it works for our family. And people respond to that. People really, people like my story, as they've said to me, and they like that I am working, that because they feel I'm more connected. Now, I don't know if this has been brought up with you and the senator in, in debates, but the topic of sanctuary cities. So, it- yes, that has been brought up. And I have, I am not and will not ever support sanctuary cities. I have spoken with our police chiefs in the in the districts, and I do actually have a lot of friends who happen to be police officers as well. And the the concerns are even within the bill that had made some some changes, they're not in support of anything that would lessen um, bail because bail is really a safety precaution. It's set for a reason, and. They want to make sure that the whole entire community is safe. And they're doing this without training dollars. It's only been recently that the bill was passed that will put a surcharge of about $2 on every rental car agreement to go towards training dollars for our police officers. Now, my father was a firefighter, as I had mentioned, so they receive training dollars Teachers, you, you go for for continuing education units. They have in-service days, nurses. Yeah. You know, why aren't we paying for training for our, our first responders, our police officers? I, it, that was just crazy to me. And, it, and especially in learning from Wakefield that this bill has been 20 years in the making. It's only because of the recent police shootings that they were able to push this through, but it's with a cap. So even though there's the surcharge and that money's supposed to be going towards training, it only goes to a certain point. And so then that means more money's going into a general fund. And quite frankly, there's too much money, I think, going into general funds. We need to know where that money's going, but we need our people to be safe. And I believe in regard, I'm a, a absolute believer in in immigrants and coming in here legally, and I believe that that our immigrant population brings a lot to our community because my family were immigrants. Now this is most of us yeah. come from immigrants. I'm so, first generation. Yeah, yeah. So and that's my husband's first generation too. So it's this is that's we need to make sure that we have policies in place that help our immigrants. And for me. I would really like to see those immigrants that are here and are working, let's fast track them because they're already contributing. It, it should be almost like time served. You know, let's get them to the front of the line and, and help them to their, their status, their legal status here. And why are, we, why are we charging so much? The, the immigrants that I've spoken to who are trying to go through that process, it's a hardship. 
that that has to change because we do need our immigrant population. We we need workers and they do bring and add to our communities. And I, I want to make sure that they are that there is that that pathway for them here. Now, do you think what's going on nationally? I remember a few months back, people kept saying that there was a, a blue wave. Now that's kind of changed. And my opinion, I, I think this it's going to be a, a red tsunami. <laughs> but is do you do you think that's going to affect your race at all? What's going on nationally or, uh, or any other Senate races in the, in the state? It's hard to say because nationally what's happening is, let's face it, we don't have a very popular president. And that is hurting. It, it, it hurts those of us who are running as a Republican. I was raised a Democrat. And I'm actually a Republican because the Democratic Party left me. They, the, the party that was supposed to be taking care of people isn't taking care of me. Yeah. So... And for me, it's really, I hate that I have to run as a party, quite frankly, because when I tell people, well, I'm me, I'm running as me, I'm running as a business owner, I'm running as a woman, but we are Massachusetts, so you have to be a Republican or a Democrat. So how will it impact us? I don't know. I really, I, I don't think there really is an answer. And I think there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are saying, well, this is what I, what I think is going to happen. And this is based on these polling numbers. How accurate are they? I mean, when you, when you sit around and you're talking with your friends, what, what's the sense you're getting? And that's, for me, for even Democrats that are saying, listen, I am a Democrat, but I'm definitely supporting you. Well, they're supporting me because they want change. So is that really the wave? Is it, is it just a matter of something different? Well, I think what's going on nationally, in my opinion, is, you know, you look at these so-called mobs and what's going on, people being interrupted. And I, I certainly hope you're not. You haven't experienced that, I, ho- I hope, at least in this, dis- in this district. Oh, uh, this morning was fun. We did have someone who... I'll say this. I must have name recognition out there. Now, I did purposely choose yellow and blue for my colors because I think they stand out and, it, and it's paying respect to my my roots here in Malden. And this girl was walking. She didn't even make eye contact with me, but she saw my sign. And I was out front saying hi to people, introducing myself to people. And she just started screaming and screaming expletives, but never made eye contact and then just went on her way. So I happen to be there with my father and another volunteer, thank goodness, because that way, one, I have, I have, um, I don't know, backup, but I also have someone at proof that yeah. this is what's happening. And my parents have been very helpful. My, my father is a Democrat and my mother's an independent. And they are very, very, very supportive of me. And because of me as their daughter, and they know where my values are because they raised me, well, they were with me at the Melrose Victorian Fair, and they were handing out my literature, and they were in my blue shirts. And someone yelled at them and said, you can't be in blue shirts. How dare you? And then went as far as to say, that's unconstitutional, which... I don't think anywhere in the Constitution is there anything about shirts and ownership to colors. But my parents were very, they they weren't nervous, but they were just staying still, feeling like scolded children. Yeah. And so it's been eye-opening for them as well to see that both sides are, are not acting like adults. And I really want to be that adult in the room and and enough with the, the petulant behavior. <coughs> Excuse me. That's wow. That's that's interesting. Um, time flew by, and we have almost ten minutes left. One of one of my quickest shows. Um, <coughs> since you're in Malden now, and I'm I'm, I'm starting to lose my voice live on TV. Like I did with Senator Lewis, we we sort of I, I chose a a different part of the community. You know, you you've pointed out what um. What affects Malden, and what with you know the stuff that they've talked to you about. Like I'll ask you, 
in Mel, like Melrose, what are some topics in Melrose? Well, Melrose is facing an override as well. And what's really discouraging is the conversation in the listening session that I was at, it was the same as every other community. The teachers aren't paid enough. The classrooms have too many students. They're overcrowded. Unfunded mandates. And just feeling like there's a lack of support. And when you talk about having an override, the community saying, well, when is it enough? What's the breaking point? What's the plan? And as a business owner, that for me is it's we don't have an unlimited spending budget. Yeah. It's how do we look at what is what are our needs and what are our wants? And education is a need, and so is healthcare. So when you're looking at all of these communities, that's what's taking up the budgets. So we need to get to work on affordable health care and funding for education so that way we can ease the financial burden that it's placing on the communities. Okay. Um, Wakefield, and, and, and by the way, for people who don't know, there was a terrible fire last night in Wakefield, and our, our hearts go out and our thoughts and prayers to the vic, you know, families that were affected by this. But anything stand out in Wakefield when you've met with people? So Wakefield, I had lived in Wakefield for about 10 years, and I love Wakefield. That's actually my, our family church is there in Wakefield. So our, our hearts do go out to the people of the First uh, Baptist Church, as well as Tall Spire Preschool, which was where our, our children went to preschool. So I, I really, we're, we're praying for them. And I know our church is opening its doors to them, to the, to the parishioners. In Wakefield, it's more of the, the businesses. They need better flow, so a better flow of traffic. They need a better they need more parking. And then dealing with the homelessness. There's a large homeless population that you see in Wakefield. And they want to make sure that they are addressing the the the, the people's needs and what they're seeing is a lot of this is mental health. So it's not even the opioid crisis and making sure that we have facilities for them. It's also making sure that we're taking care of our, our, our people with mental health issues. And, and that's Wakefield's bigger issue is dealing with that population. In Stoneham, it's dealing with your, the schools, especially the high school that, that hopefully I know that is finally they had a tour with the um, with the the mass building, so so hopefully they are on the list and they will be be in line with getting the money that they need for a, a new high school that they desperately need. Uh, within Melrose, I had mentioned the override, Winchester. Which is only half, by the way, for people. Well, I, Winchester's in the district, but some people may think it's the whole town of Winchester it's it's only half so what's interesting is flooding so again that goes back to why I'm not in support of overcrowding and we really need to look at our zoning and and we need to to um, rely and have a relationship with our Army Corps of Engineers and make sure that that we are putting in place zoning that that flood zones so we know that not to be touching this and this is where you need your conservation and your runoffs and that's where I'm, I'm concerned especially for Winchester and having had a business in Winchester I've seen it I've seen what the, the flooding does there and it, it devastates the businesses and and so that's a big issue for Winchester uh I touched on you touched everyone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a question I asked Senator Lewis um, just because I was curious. As I mentioned earlier, 2020 will have the next census, and normally it takes two years for the results, one or two years after. You win the election, this will affect you. Do you think, in your opinion, something will, another community will be added to this district or something will be taken out? Because I know, as you remember before, Linfield. Yes, Linfield was, part was in of this there. district. And that was taken out or was replaced by the other half of Melrose and half of Winchester. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've thought, you know. You know what? I actually, it's, I find having a whole community is better because 
you really people shouldn't feel divided and that's something i know that's that not to say we we feel divided in reading but having like our state rep we're separated so it, it becomes a real challenge to make sure that people understand who their rep is yeah. so it would be the same with understanding who's their state senator but that's also where i look forward to being able to work across the aisles i have no issues and even though i'm only partially representing winchester being able to work with the other state senator to make sure that winchester is treated as a whole and i i I hope that the other senator would would embrace that type of relationship to make sure that we can really treat them as one because i think that's really it's it's just like parenting it really is it's making sure that our they are in our best interest, and we need to make sure that we're taking care of them. Have you reached out? Because Malden, as you know, has three state reps, and one of the reps has one precinct, as we have 16 precincts, and he's the one that also has Melrose and part of Wakefield. But have you, have anyone reached out to you? or? So you- I have. So I've known over the years, I have known um, Representative Donato, and then I've gotten to know uh, Representative Broder very well. Actually, I just saw his wife this morning. And I've just come to meet Representative Altrino, who my husband had known from the work that he's done in the past in the, in the North End. So, it's, so I have, uh, I would definitely say I, I have a better relationship with Representative Donato and yeah. now Broder right now, and I look forward to working with All Representative right, we, Altrino. We have less than five minutes. The floor is yours to make to address the people of the district, especially Malden. Any your final thoughts, closing, you know? Let's say uh, the, the final word from you. The final word. So I am Erin Calvobachi, candidate for state senate in the 5th Middlesex District. To learn more about me, you can go to my website at voteforerincalvobachi.com. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I am a resident of Reading. I, as I had said, I was born in Malden, had lived in Wakefield, and am back in Reading, which is where I went to school. I'm a product of public education. My daughters are in public education. And I will say that one of our daughters is actually at the agricultural school. So there's a big shout out to our technical schools and our agricultural schools. I'd also love to see, which we didn't touch upon in education, Something to look at is why do we have a 3,000 student wait list for our charter schools? So that's also something that's concerning to me. I want to know what is what is going on within the schools. Why are parents wanting or opting for the charter schools? So that's also something and else. That, that's a very touchy <laughs> subject in Malden. <laughs> I should know that because uh, being on the school committee, I was the only one that supported the charter school. And it's in that's that I, I don't think anyone should be pitted the same way as having that the MECO program and bringing students from Boston into the suburbs. But we need to look at what is best for the students. And, and we need to be more supportive in our area. So I am certainly someone who is I'm out there. I'm, I'm engaged. I'm certainly energized by this. I love getting out and meeting people and talking to people, as you can see. Oh, yeah. I can talk and and being able to hear really what is most concerning and how do we how do we solve the issues and how do we get there we can't solve every issue but how do we bring everyone to the table and the stakeholders to the table and make sure that we're having thoughtful discussions that everyone can be heard and we can try to come to a negotiated area that's going to be in the best interest for all of us especially for this community because every Every district in this community is so different, but it's one. So I would also love to be able to start bringing together all of these communities and 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 having a conversation about what works here in Malden yeah. and what can Reading adopt from that or what works in Wakefield and how can Stoneham adopt from that and 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 just really working together collaboratively. I think that's that's something that I've done as a business. And I believe that that's the best way for success to continue breeding success. All right. You heard Erin Calvo-Bachi. Remember, you have 13 days. Get, Get out, out the, the vote. vote. Again, no matter Early how, voting. how you yeah, take advantage of that. I, I thought about doing that, actually. And November 6th. And you have any questions, once again, how do they reach you? 
So you can reach me by going to Erin uh, at VoteForErinCalvoBocci.com. Or you can also message me on Facebook. All right, Erin. Thank you. Thank Good you. Luck to you. Thank you so much, and enjoy the chocolate. Oh, I will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs>